otherwise on SAFM. Well, welcome to Amy Kay, who's joining me in the studio. So good to see you. Good to see you too. Thank you for having me. Listen, I, 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 I want, I'm so eager to talk to you because I've been threatening to write for so many years. Because I think and I've got else. yes. Because mm. I think we, I've got lots of stories to tell, and I think everyone has a good story to tell. But one can't get past that fifth line, sixth mm-hmm. line. What are we doing wrong? Um, well, the main reason that writers don't become writers is because of procrastination mm-hmm. and because of fear. Mm-hmm. And it's always the fear of: Am I good enough? What are people going to think? Mm-hmm. Am I a writer? What is a writer? Um, procrastination causes writer's block and, yeah, causes us to get stuck. But I do believe that everybody has a story to tell. Now, how did you get to start write-on? Well, I was sort of write-on. Well, I have a background in documentary making, so mm. I've always been fascinated by people's stories. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things to do is just to let somebody tell me their life story. I think it's so interesting and says a lot about the person, what they reveal and what they don't reveal. And I'm a writer. I was a secret writer up until now, (laughs) kind of writing for myself and not letting anybody see it. Mm -hmm. And I've been going to creative writing courses for years and years and years and years. And I found that it's always the exact same format. It's always Mm fiction-based. And it's always kind of the grammar of writing or the rules of writing. This mm-hmm. is how you write a story. Mm-hmm. It's as he said, she said, you've got to put in these rules. You've got to have the antagonist. You've got to have the protagonist. You, it, you know, all the rules of writing. But I couldn't find a course where they taught you how to be a writer mm-hmm. or they taught you how to start writing or how to keep writing. Mm-hmm. And so that's where writing kind of de- developed from. And as a documentary maker, obviously, I'm more interested in nonfiction. I'm more interested in people's stories mm-hmm. rather than tell me a story about a dragon or tell me a story about a princess or whatever so it was just it's um tony morrison says that sometimes you have to write the book you most want to read ah. and so writing was created because i couldn't find it anywhere and it kind of went from there in december i spoke to ma gordimer i called her <laughs> why are you calling me ma but i asked her also you know how was it natural for her to write and she said um if you can read, you can write, mm. you know. So, you know, nothing serious, just read and then, and, the, and then write. Because we, we don't, do we all inherently have a style of writing? Absolutely, yeah. Your writing style has a lot to do with your voice. And one of the hardest things is finding your voice. What kind of a writer am I? Mm. Um, what is my style? What do I want to say? And some people are so blocked by what we're taught at school. Because when you do writing at school, any kind of creative writing or English writing, again, it's about the grammar. It's about the rules of the writing. Mm. And as children, naturally, we can express ourselves creatively. And then that all kind of gets bummed down or blocked, blocked down in terms of that first kind of um, red mark that you get or the grammar was wrong. Mm. And that immediately deflates us. And then we think, oh, but I'm not a writer now. Whereas any kind of art form, any kind of creativity, it's not about the rules Art is about breaking the rules. In fact, you make your, your own rules as you, as you go along. Absolutely. But everybody thinks that they have to do follow the grammar and then you're a writer. But then there's no passion behind it. Mm. There's no feeling. There's no soul. There's no depth. Where's the art? So writing is all about getting back to the creativity, getting back to, to who you are deep down. What are your stories? And forgetting about all that stuff, all those rules, breaking those rules. All those words that, mm. that you, you probably – because all of us want to use um, – great grammar but also very difficult words clever words absolutely yeah Mm. so we often started as when we started as writers 
um, we want to show how clever we are mm-hmm. and look at my great vocab mm-hmm. and look how <laughs> what big words I can use. And it often comes across as quite um, as verbose. Mm. There's my big word. Yeah. <laughs> so you start almost talking down to your reader and that immediately alienates the reader from the writing. Mm. Whereas I often tell my students, if you write to somebody, when you write, you write with somebody in mind. You write to somebody that you love. The love comes through. Mm-hmm. And when the love comes through, the writing is e- easier to read rather than, oh, I'm going to now tell you a story. Now, the beginning stages of it, because mm-hmm. that, that's, that's really the most difficult part, putting mm-hmm. pen to paper or putting uh, that, that word on your computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is preferable, really? I, I don't really let my students type anything up. Sometimes they type up their homework, but um, there is definitely connection. When you see your own handwriting, your handwriting actually shows you what's going on with you emotionally. Mm-hmm. You can look at your handwriting from years ago and see, oh, I was sad or I was angry or look how much my handwriting changed from then to then. And because we're writing so little nowadays, we're losing the art form of handwriting because mm-hmm. we're typing everything up now, mm-hmm. either on computer or on our phones or whatever. And there's a connection between the mind and the body. So if you're physically writing something, you're feeling it as you're writing it. It's all it's going through from your from your head down your arm into your hand wow. onto the book. You know, there's something if you're just typing it, it, it you're losing something. Mm, there's mm. there's a disconnection there. So I think it's important to actually write by hand. I actually still I, I, I keep notebooks like this all the time, but, but I want to know that is. Does one? How much writing should you be doing? Is you know because often we told find a quiet place uh, under a, a tree or somewhere mm. and 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 just let your thoughts flow. But is there a, is is there a, if I write two lines now mm. and ten lines tomorrow? Mm. Is it what does it say? Well, again, the rules of writing. Now, now you'd, have, you'd have the experts that teach you the rules. If you went to a normal creative writing class, they would say, okay, you need to write a thousand words a day or you need to write five full-scap pages or whatever that is. For me, it's not about that. If you write one sentence today, that might be the most important sentence you ever write in your life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter about the amount. It's the fact that you're writing something. You just have to write something. The only thing, the only rule I would have is write something every single day, mm-hmm. whether it's a line, whether it's a word, whether it's a topic, whether it's a full whatever, write something. It's not about the amount because we get so focused on the amount of stuff that, mm-hmm. oh, well, I wrote the thousand words today, but yesterday I wrote 10,000 words and therefore yesterday's writing is more important. It's not. It's it's about writing regardless. It's about making it part of your routine. Does keeping a journal help? Absolutely. Yeah. Keeping a journal helps because, you again, you're writing something every day. Mm-hmm. You have to write every day, whether it's a journal, whether it's writing letters, whether it's it's just you've got to get... You've got to get your writing down on paper. That's what's most important. So tell us about your courses. Um, what What do you offer? Well, I offer... Basically, what Write on offers is... We allow people to find their voices and to get unstuck creatively and to find their voices through writing and to find their stories. Who are you? What, you? what are you about? What do you have to say? What stories do you have to tell? What kind of stories do you want to tell? Mm. Um, it's about documenting your story. Um, it's very important to, to write our stories down because a lot of people think, well, I'm not a writer and my story isn't important. Mm. But everybody's story is important because you don't know how your story might affect somebody else. You really don't know what your story could do for somebody else. It could could help somebody through a troubling time or it could give somebody motivational inspiration. 
But mostly what storytelling does is it connects us and it makes us realize that we have more in common than we think. Mm. Because often we are stuck going, I'm the only one on the planet feeling this and nobody gets me and nobody gets what I'm going through. And then you watch a film or you listen to a song Mm. or you read a book Mm -hmm. and you go, somebody gets me. And you feel feel Mm. that connection. And that's Mm. what it's about. It's connecting us through our storytelling. And people often don't start writing because... Again, they, what their preconception of a writer is, but they they don't start writing because they don't think have, they have they don't think they have what it takes. But you can only figure out you're a writer by writing. Mm-hmm. You cannot actually think just think about the book you're going to write. A lot of people talk away their books. Oh, I'm going to write a book about blah 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 mm-hmm. blah blah, mm-hmm. but they never write a damn word down. I'm guilty of that. You've got to <laughs> write the words. The only way you can figure out if you can write is to write. It is a practical process. It's not a, just an intellectual one. But why do writers have writer's block as well? Um, because of the need to be perfect. Because uh, of the need to get it right. Yeah. I'm not going to write the story unless it's perfect, and therefore I can't start. Because actually it's a messy process. They want bestsellers all the yeah, time. And yeah, and most people are thinking about... You know, Z instead of thinking about A, who, you know, I want to be on the New York Times bestseller mm. list. Mm. I want to have a following of a million followers on Twitter. Mm. Um, I want to be a sellout author. I want to go on a world tour. Have you written anything today? No. <laughs> have you done the work? No. But here's a problem I get mm. when, when I try to write. Mm-hmm. Is my, my plot kind of loses itself because mm-hmm. I talk of an uncle that I had and then I describe the uncle and then I'm telling uncle's stories as opposed to coming back to where we met uncle. Mm-hmm. Now, I think, then I think, oh no, I've gone too far deep to come mm-hmm. back. Well, the point is to just get it out. You can always edit later. Ernest Hemingway says, write drunk, edit sober. <laughs> you know, just get it down. Don't again. That's worrying about the end product. Oh, but I've I've gone off the page. Mm. No, I've gone off topic, and I shouldn't have written about that. And I was trying to write about that. Mm. It's a messy process. Write it down anyway. I mean, write it down, and you might not use it now. Put it away. Come back to it later. Sometimes you need to have hindsight to look at the writing and go, Oh, I see what's relevant now. We wanted to be perfect instantly. We want to write the story, boom, it's done, edited, finished, go, published. It doesn't work that way. Oh, there's another issue, the publishing and all of that. But mm. no, we were talking about, we digress, we were talking about your courses. Mm. So you, you, you help me find my voice. Mm. I help you find your voice. I help you unblock creatively, get over your procrastination issues, and also how to make writing a part of your life. How to keep you motivated. How do you keep writing when you have nothing to say or when you're feeling completely demotivated or you're thinking... I just, I can't. Today I can't. I hope you figure out how to do that. How do you become a writer? Forget all the rules and forget over that need to be perfect. It's a place to express yourself. It's a place to find out who you are. And it's a place to share your stories in a safe and supportive environment. One of the main things is anything can be written about it right on and anything can be spoken about. And something very powerful happens is we often write our stories down, but they never actually get read out aloud. Mm. And when you read out your story... And you hear those words, that emotional connection starts happening and your bo- that mind-body-soul connection happens. And it's incredibly powerful to have a room of other people acknowledging your story and hearing your story and not judging you, mm. despite what you think people are going to think. People write their stories and they think, oh, everybody in the room is going to think I'm a this or a that. And then they see that people move by it more than anything. It's, it's very powerful. And also, you, we don't necessarily have to write to be published, right? Not at all. I mean, 
I was speaking to someone yesterday about the fact that um, she's just started photography now, and she said, oh, but everyone I know is a photographer, so why bother? <laughs> but why do any kind of creativity or self-expression or art? Are you doing it because of what everybody else thinks? Write because you get enjoyment out of it. Write because it's therapeutic. It is healing, Write hey? because it'll help you. Write because it helps you process things. It's free therapy to write. Instead of going to talk to somebody for an hour, write for an hour. You'll get, it's, I mean, when you go to therapy, you're literally talking to a wall most of the time anyway. You're just, you're helping, you're helping process, you're helping figuring out. You're getting all that stuff out. Rather than let it eat away at you, you write about all that stuff you're feeling and you're experiencing. So, when, how long are, you, are these courses that you give? Well, we currently have two coming up. We have one coming up this Thursday evening, um, which is happening in Cape Town and Woodstock, which is six weeks long. Mm-hmm. And it's six consecutive Thursdays from 7 to 9 p.m. So that's the introductory course, which is our writing scared course, which is all about you want to write, but you just are too damn scared to start and you don't know where to start. And that's where we come in. And for the first time ever, which is quite exciting, we're going up to Johannesburg in February. Cause oh, we've, had, we've had quite a big public demand via Twitter and email and people have been going, when are you bringing this to Joburg? So in the first weekend of February, the 7th till the 9th of February, we're having an intensive weekend workshop, which is the same thing of how to, how to get writing, how to start. And that is going to be happening in Randburg. Okay, and um, it, this is in, in February, 7th to? 7th to the 9th, it's the first weekend of February. To the 9th in Randburg, yeah. and every Thursday for six weeks in Cape Town. Yeah. And how do people find you? You can email us directly, which is um, writeonsouthafrica at gmail.com, and write on, write on is spelled W-R-I-T-E-O-N, mm-hmm. South Africa, at mm-hmm. gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter, Write on SA, mm-hmm. SA being capital letters, and mm-hmm. we've already tweeted to you, so they can <laughs> I, find, I us, find you there. Yeah. Or you can find us on Facebook. Just look up um, Write on South Africa on Facebook, and that's where we are. Are you going to write for me and be my ghostwriter? <laughs> Actually not, because I think you're the best person to tell your story. I can definitely help you edit, but I think, I think the best person to tell your story is you. And the fact that you have a voice already and you can clearly articulate, clearly on radio, and you, you, can, you can speak. If you can speak, you can write. Is, and, and the length of your story, mm. how, how long can your story be? As long, as short as you want it to be. I mean, I have a book... Um, which is called, it's called Six Words or Less, where people basically write their entire life story in six words or less. Six so, words, words or less. Sum up your life in six words or less. Yeah, so it can be, it, it could works be. Works on me on Twitter. I mean, you could take, you could take, you could write The Long Walk to Freedom, which is an epic long book, or you could mm-hmm. write your story in six words or less. It, it, what's, you know, what's your writing style? Anything's possible, really. Again, it's not about the words. It's mm-hmm. not about the amount. That's that's getting into the whole the rules thing. Oh, well, if it's a long book, then it must mean more. If it's a short book, it must mean less. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, people can write these epic tweets, and that's only 140 characters, but they can be profound. And it's harder to write less than it is to write more. Really? Well, it's harder to sum things up. I know, I know. Okay, okay. (laughs) No, well, I'm going to start. I'm going to start writing. Are you published at all? Um, Here and there. I was published in the Sunday Times last year. Mm. Um, I just wrote a blog post and got picked up. So you never know. I mean, you never know what's going to happen with your writing. That's, That's the beauty of writing. Don't, I never thought that that would happen. Um, I've also had my poetry exhibited. It's, I don't write thinking about what the end result is going to be. If you think about your audience or the money you're going to make or kind of the the applause or the accolades, it's not going to be real. It's not going to come from a real place because you've got to focus on, you've got to write first and foremost for yourself. 
not for anybody else, because then it'll be real. Because if you start writing for other people, you already start editing, thinking, oh, well, I can't say that. Mm, and mm. like, oh, oh, and that, that but, mm, people might think that. Can't think about other people. You've got to just write as if nobody were ever going to read that writing. And that's the most powerful writing, because it's intimate and it's real and it's authentic. Do you have favorite subjects that you write about? Um, I mean, favorite subjects I write about. I write about just the way I kind of interpret things and things I see. And, I mean, I'm a poet, so... Mm. Um, wouldn't say it's, I'd say I'm an angry poet. How's that? <laughs> I'm frustrated. Um, I'm very frustrated with a lot of things. So I kind of get all my, all my stuff out in that way. What frustrates you? Uh, what doesn't frustrate me? <laughs> um, I think people's apathy frustrates me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, people are incredible and have everything. We have everything nowadays. We have, this country has so much to offer and, um, people are wasting their lives on social media. People are wasting their lives on Instagram and tweeting and are not doing anything. My thing is, what are you doing with your life? Why are you here? What, you, what were you born for? What is your purpose? Figure it out. Instead of, oh, look where I was, look what I did, look who I was with. And <laughs> what are you doing? Who cares? But, but they probably are doing stuff. We just don't know about it. Well, they tweet, every, they tweet about what they had for lunch. Ooh. That's very exciting. Ooh, yeah. I really need to know that you ate there with that person. Very profound stuff. But what, what should they be doing? I mean, finding themselves the way you found your passion in, in Write On, mm. how, how would you suggest somebody else goes about finding that which uh, they're passionate about and, 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 and working on it? The best way to find out, and this is one of the things we deal with, one of the themes we deal with in the Write On course is childhood. One of the best ways to find out who you are and what you're about or what you're passionate about is to go back and think about what you did for hours and hours and hours and hours as a child. That is the key to figuring out who you are because what you did naturally as a child is the link. And I was always obsessed with words Mm. and always obsessed with writing. And I mean, I remember going into scene A and seeing milky pens for the first time and actually getting like a complete bodily sensation it was that exciting for me so I've always been a writer I mean I wrote my first poem when I was eight Mm -hmm. so it and I used to write for hours and hours and hours and hours naturally so what did you do very interesting go back to when you were a child Mm, what did you before life started telling you what you couldn't be Mm -hmm. before your teachers and your parents and your peers said you can't you can't you can't you must go be a doctor a lawyer etc etc what did you naturally do what did you naturally enjoy what, what made you feel alive? That's the key. If we can think back that far, though. Well, you can, yeah. I suppose. But, but that's what I help you do. I help you unlock those memories. Yeah. That's what writing is about, is, is unlocking those doors that have been locked for a really long time. We use creative prompts to get you asking those questions. So what did you used to do when you were a child? Mm. So who did you used to hang out with? Where did you used to play? Tell me about the room that you, that you grew up in. Tell me about your family. Or it'll start evoking all those memories. And the more you write, the more those memories get evoked. If I take the course, am I guaranteed to succeed in my writing? Succeed, no, succeed not, not to make money or get published, mm. but just um, feel good about telling my story. Shadow, that is ultimately up to you. <laughs> it really is. If you do the work, if you do the work, It'll be worth it. But I can't guarantee Mm. that you're going to do the work. Mm. I can't force you to do the homework. Mm. I can't force you to write the stuff I'm asking you to write. Mm -hmm. You either commit or you don't. I really like working with people that are committed to the process. Mm. As we started the course, I always say, 
All I want you to do is commit to this course. That is it. You never have to write again. But whatever I ask you to write about, write about it and write about it completely. But writing and any art form is a commitment. If you want to be a writer, you've got to commit to writing. You can't write when you feel like it. Mm. If you write when you feel like it, you don't do any writing. <laughs> yeah. How much does it cost? Um, <laughs> or, or would you would you rather just? Yeah, people can email us. People can email you, yeah. and you'll tell them how much it costs. Yeah. Um, but you are on Twitter. You are on Facebook. Uh, do you have a website? We do have a website. It's kind of more of a landing page. It's, it's kind of being reconstructed at the moment. But every like photos of all our events and everything are up on Facebook and on Twitter. And any more information you can have, you can email us directly. Well, good luck. Thank you so much for joining us, Amy. Thank you very much, Shadow. And right on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for news headlines now with Melanie Moses. Good afternoon. Achang SA says there's an urgent need for independent monitors during the elections. This after claims that some voters in the Tlokwe by-elections in the northwest were not legitimate. Chief executives of Platinum Houses Implatz, Amplatz and Lonman, as well as AMCU President Joseph Matunjwa, are not attending today's talks aimed at resolving a strike in the sector. The mediation process, which began in Johannesburg on Friday, resumed in Pretoria today. And the Gauteng Health Department has urged those who travel to areas where malaria is endemic to urgently seek medical care when they experience symptoms consistent with the disease. For SAFM News, I'm Melanie Moses. Details on these stories and more at 2. Oh, thank you so much. Um, Now we go to Bev Gibson, who's the co-founder of Ubuhle Women, and they have a beadwork and the Art of Independence uh, exhibition at the Smithsonian Anacostia Community Museum in Washington. Bev, hello and welcome. Hello, Bev. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you now. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Thank you for joining us. This sounds exciting. Tell us about Ubuhle. Um, Abokli is a group of artists who have used the medium of beadwork, which, and um, through their work, they've created what has been considered a new art form, and they've called it the Andwango. And what, it, what has happened is that each of these women have now been represented as individual artists in the medium of beadwork. Now, how did they come together, first of all? We started the project in 1999, mm-hmm. and the project started very, you know, simply I was living on a sugarcane farm and met in Duna, and together we created a project in which women could use traditional skills to um, earn an income. In Duna is uh, what? In Duna is the leader? In Duna, yes. Sorry, her name is Nsombepi Nsombela. Okay. But we call her in Duna because <laughs> she's the leader of the project. Okay, so she brings people together to share the beadworking skills. Well, what we did was um, at the farm is that any woman who wants to learn to bead, she taught. She was a master beader. Mm-hmm. And over the last however many years, the project has evolved from making um, jewelry, beaded linen, um, all sorts of different homeware, into the woman actually using a blank canvas, a, a piece of fabric, mm-hmm. to sew beads on and to create an artwork. And each woman has their own distinct style. And um, none of these pieces are copied. And as Induna said, they um, pieces where the woman beads straight from their soul. 
straight from their soul because I can imagine they tell lots of stories uh, the, the, these these indwangos that we that, that are, have now gone to this exhibition. Yes, they definitely do. And um, some of the women will work on a piece for over a year, and in that time, everything that is happening in her life will be woven into the into the work. And um, you know, either through symbols or through the different colours of the beads that she'll be using. Now, tell us what the different, I, I know that some beads mean, uh, have different meanings depending on the colour. Are, are you able to tell us a bit about that? You know, um, when you speak to the women about that, they say that long ago they used to use seeds, and basically the seeds were whatever seeds they could find, and it was the patterning as well mm-hmm. that sent the message more than uh, the colours alone. And what we have found, rather than the colours meaning something, they will work with colours that they love, and they will use patterns that they love. So, for instance, often you'll see the patterns of a traditional bear shoe appearing in the work uh-huh. because that will bring back memories of a childhood mm. and being able to see the bear shoe when she was a little girl, either her grandmother wearing it or she wearing it as a child, and that telling the story. You know, with each individual artist, like you've got Sandila Tombela, who she loves working with a lot of red and blues and pinks. Mm-hmm. Um, just because she loves those colors. And for me, that's been fascinating um, in learning so much about the women's use of colors through the interviews that the Smithsonian did of them. And, you know, what was very clear is they work in the colors that they love and which have a specific meaning to them rather than a commercial meaning as often we associate red with love, black with hatred. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't see that. Now, I'm, I'm interested in this 31-piece exhibition how was how was it hand picked, or is your team whole team thirty one women? No, there are only five women mm. who have been launched. And what we did was we worked together picking pieces. Um, some of the pieces, like the bulls, we've done a series of of African bulls, and those are done especially for this exhibition. And what we literally did was send photographs of the works to the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. They then said which pieces they would like. We had to approach collectors to see if we could loan the pieces back because it's a museum exhibition, so it's a non-commercial exhibition, mm-hmm. so the pieces aren't for sale. Mm-hmm. But then what was fascinating about the bulls was why they did that. The whole process was videoed and notes were taken so that the whole history of creating these these bulls, which they worked on for 10 months, was recorded. Now, do they get to go to, to Washington as well? We're trying very hard to. Um, we're needing to um, fund the, the money, the funds for the flats. Mm. Once we get to Washington, the Smithsonian will put them up and provide the accommodation. But we need to get there. No, how can we help you get there? Because <laughs> I really somebody who'll give us the flat. <laughs> I, I really, I really love the idea of this whole exhibition, and I think it's it's just also documenting our history, a very large part of our history, because I'm not too sure how how much it's passed it's passed down and passed on, you know, beading as 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 an art form. And I'm I'm really excited that um, this this is happening, and not only just for jewellery, but, um, you know, for, for these, these ndwangos that you talk about now yeah. and, 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 you know, can hang in somebody's house and, and, and you know, um, can be used to, to e- effect, you know, um, other, other forms of, 
of art and furnishings. Yes. Well, um, I don't know if you've seen any of the pieces. But I haven't. I, I, okay. I haven't, and I'm, I'm, I want to see them. Okay, well, they are extraordinarily beautiful. Mm. And if you can imagine millions of tiny little beads all thrown onto fabric in these extraordinary colors and patterns. Mm. And when we, we had the opening, which I did go across for, um, which was on the 8th of December, and when the director of the African Museum, the, the Smithsonian, walked in, Dr. Cole, she actually couldn't talk for about five minutes. And she said mm-hmm. to me, it's been a long, long time since she has seen anything that has been so beautiful that it's taken her breath away. Wow. And I, I think that was what people cannot believe how incredibly beautiful these pieces are. Um, that even though they tell the story of the women, and some of these stories are incredibly sad, they're still beautiful. Now, tell me what happens when they get back, when, when, when you, because they are going to be returned to the country. Aren't they? Yes, the pieces will be returned. The one, we're trying to sell one of the pieces, which is called the African Crucifixion. Um, it's a huge, big piece, and hopefully that is the only piece for sale on the exhibition. And, um, but when they um, come back, they will go to the various collections. Part of the pieces, a couple of the pieces we've put into the private abortion collection, which means that those pieces will, um, the artists will always have access to those pieces should they ever have an exhibition. Because what we think will happen now is that people will also look at doing solo exhibitions on individual artists. Mm. Each of these styles distinctly dress different. So when you look at a piece, you're either looking at a Nontraganipo or a Zandile or a Nsumbethi, they're different um, in their style. How and, mm-hmm. yes. Go ahead, go ahead. I've, I've actually forgot what I was going to Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, I, it, it's, it's really, because you were talking about the African crucifixion, which okay. you, you are putting on sale. Yes. Uh, is, yeah. this, is this to go towards the slides? To go towards? The slides to, to, to no, 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 no. That, whatever happens to that piece, um, that, that money will be used um, to help develop the project. Well, I was um, going to ask, how do you sustain this project? Completely self-sustained through sales of the work. We have, you know, we're not a funded project. And have you, have you tried looking for funding or do you prefer not to be funded? I'm not very good at looking for funding, um, <laughs> to be honest. And it would be great to have funding for certain things, like obviously if SAA fund us instead, we'd like to sponsor the women to go across. Mm. Something that could be absolutely stunning. Do you often find with funding it creates an unrealistic sense of expectancy where if you are funded and you haven't had to work or produce stuff, and you're still getting an income, mm. when that funding dries up, so the project fails. Where with us, it's always been a struggle that we've, you know, made ends meet and have understood how hard it is to achieve in the art world and to sustain yourselves in the art world. So do I understand it that these ladies uh, work throughout the year um, and, and just for Obuse women? Yes. They, they, they have now formed a co-op. Mm-hmm. They own the business. Um, we're doing the whole, you know, it's, it's a sort of, they're taking more and more control of the business. Um, part of the problem has been is the women having not had a Western education. Mm. And so, but them understanding that in spite of that, they are very skilled, very clever people who can use traditional skills to earn an income. But we need the 
sort of marriage with Western skills so that their pieces can reach the market. Mm. Um, I'm going to ask you to please stay on the line for us. We'll, we, yes. We're back. We just need to take a break and come back. All right. Sure. Bang, bang, cricket. It's party time, South Africa. It's the Ram Slam T20 Challenge. Catch the Biz Hub Hype of Lions as they slug it out against the Sunfall Dolphins at Bitfest Wondrous Cricket Stadium, Sunday, 2nd February. Match gets underway 2.30 p.m. sharp. Tickets are available at ticketpros.co.za. Select and post net outlets or at the stadium. Ram Slam T20 Challenge. It's bang, bang, cricket. Don't miss it. My name is Anele and I vote because I want to be heard. Hi, I'm Sashi Naidu and I vote because I'm proud of my freedom. I'm Joey Razin. I'm voting because South Africa is the best country in the entire world. Hi, I'm Lira and I vote because my vote is my voice. Nice. <laughs> Your last chance to register to vote is on 8 and 9 February. Call 0800 11 8000 or visit elections.org.za for more information. IEC. I vote South Africa. SAFM brings you live, interactive, topical news from current affairs, global warming debates, women's issues, to interviews with top literary connoisseurs. To join our conversations, visit our website on safm.co.za. Follow us on Twitter at SAFM Radio or simply like our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Otherwise, on SAFM. Bev Gibson is my guest, who is the co-founder of Ubuse Women, and we're talking about the, the work and, and uh, the, the beading and the stories told. Um, this crucifix, African crucifixion, Bev, um, I was reading now that it, it, it you know, it, they used trees to express, uh, the, originally it was, it was um, um, com- uh, commissioned, was it? By, by, the Angli- by the cathedral? Yes, it was originally commissioned, and we started it before the whole um, deal was confirmed. And for whatever reason, they decided they no longer wanted it. Oh. And yet we, I just knew that we had to complete the piece. And um, very generously, I approached a person who had bought a lot of our work, mm-hmm. and he agreed to help fund the making of the piece. And in a way, even that was, it was such a wonderful thing because the women were able to be exactly what they want to, wanted to. They didn't have somebody prescribing to them what they wanted or want, what they needed. And I think in giving them the freedom to create so the piece became the masterpiece that it is. Kimbani, uh-huh. who did the craft, for instance, the first craft she did, she unpicked because it wasn't a craft that she could relate to. Mm-hmm. And then the second craft, she rebeaded and if you have a look at the face of that crust, it's got the most incredible, peaceful expression. Mm-hmm. And her whole feeling was Christ came for a purpose, lived that purpose, and so could that peace. And for that, that is what the beaters were now doing. They were able to be the artists before their purpose. And so when they die, they would be able to die peace, leaving this legacy for their children. Wow, wow. So if one is interested in this piece, where where do they find it? Well, it's at the Smithsonian, and the best way is to, you know, to contact me. I'm mm-hmm. very good at emails yeah. and um, would reply to the emails. We, we tried very hard to keep it in the country, um, but 
people just weren't prepared to pay what it was worth. And now that it's gone to America, the value and what the Americans have valued it at is far more than we ever asked from this country. Wow. And if you can imagine what that kind of money would do for a project like us, and it's huge. But also what I realize in America is how the Americans absolutely loved and appreciated the work. You know, people would walk in and just be, you know, overwhelmed with emotions as they as they looked at it. We, in some ways, because we see so much beadwork, we do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes in a foreign country, you appreciate it even more. Wow, that makes sense. Now, now, obviously, then you, I, I think you must sell it to the to the U.S. to the Americans if they want it. Yes, we would. I mean, I, and one part of me feels very sad that of another one of our treasures leaves the country. But on the other hand, I stand as quite a good ambassador of what these women are and what, you know, traditional skilled women can achieve and do. I'm now looking at the website. It is absolutely amazing. Thank you. It is absolutely... It definitely needs to be updated, so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> well, I can see the work, though. I can see the work. Yeah. And it's, it's actually very beautiful. I can't understand why you, 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 you know, you, you battle to even... Sell these pieces. Well, I hope when they come back, uh, you, you, you get some support for them. And we ho- will. Hopefully yeah. somebody's yeah. listening to us right now, and hopefully somebody's going to at least pay. How many tickets are you looking for? We're looking for six tickets. Six tickets to Washington, D.C.? Six tickets to Washington, D.C. Wow. I, I really wish, I wish you all the luck. And we'd love to go in June. So we've got a bit of time when it's warmer. Yes. And um, they've planned quite a lot of things that they would um, do with the artists. So it would be wonderful to get across there and to do that. How long is the exhibition running for? Runs until September. Mm -hmm. But other curators from other museums have seen it, Mm -hmm. and they wanted to travel, which would be incredible. So it could end up traveling for about three years. And then hopefully when it comes home, we'll either... You know, hope it would go into some museum here for a while or to a gallery like Everard Reed who support us mm, mm. and for the South African public to have a look at it. What sizes are we talking about? Because, I mean, these beads look so beautiful, but I can't imagine how long it takes to do something like that. What sizes are we, are we talking about? Of what? Of, uh, of the, the artwork? Well, some of the pieces are small as 35 centimeters by mm. 35. Mm. And then if you have a look at the um, bulbs, they're about 1.7 meters yeah. by 150. Yeah, that's huge. It's huge. That's and huge. the crucifixion is 7.5 meters wide by 4.5 meters tall. That is, that's extraordinary. That is huge. Well, yeah. I, I wish you all the luck. I hope somebody is listening and somebody will, 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 will mail you or, you know. Great. Let's just, well, let's just pray that it happens. I'm sure it will. My, my email is on our website. Okay, your email is, but give it to us in case somebody it, comes. It's Abuhle Beads. U-B-U-H-L-E Beads. Beads at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Very simple. Yeah. <laughs> Bev, thank you so much for talking to Lisa, us. Thank you and so good much luck for having and keep, us on the show. Keep us posted, hey, and, and tell us what, what I will. Yes. I definitely will. Thank, thank you, you so much. All right, then. Wow. Thanks. Okay. Wow. I think this is it. Go and visit the website, ubushabeads.co.za, and see how amazing that is. And Bev Gibson, um, yeah, if you, if you can afford to sponsor tickets for a good, good, good cause. 
um, then please um, contact Bev, Bev Gibson at ubushabeads at gmail.com. But let's now, Corrine Bailey Ray. Hmm. Otherwise, on SAFM. Yeah. It's now time for Nalibal. 